0: I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinions to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, I'm joined by nutritionist Joe Patton to hear how to strike the balance between feeding the freshly calved cow and hitting spring grazing targets. But first, Joe gives insight into the current grass available on dairy farms ahead of calving
1: that's the thing really isn't it it's about balance for the first you know for the first few weeks post calving we have an animal that's you know at metabolically anyway probably at their most stressed for the year uh, we've also probably got on, on 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 farm probably the most challenging grazing conditions of the year uh, but also we have opportunities there too in terms of you know, on, on a lot of farms across the country this year, there seems to be plenty of plenty of grass on on farms. So, we have a high quality feed sitting in the in the paddock, but we have an animal that is slightly you know needs a bit of minding i suppose in terms of intake and, and and that so that's the key that's where we have to try and get the balance of 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 where can we where can we hit the sweet spot between intake uh using grass to its full potential and maybe minding ground conditions as well so that's the perennial challenge and i suppose we're we're just around the corner from it now so we should be we should be gearing up with that sort of thinking in mind, you know.
0: And, and to go a little bit further into detail there, Joe, can you give us an idea and put a figure on it in terms of the intake potential of these freshly calved cows? And also, I, I suppose, you know, on a separate note, the intake potential of a heifer and also then, I suppose, how they step up after calving, you know, per week, you know, what sort of an increase would you expect? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I suppose look at any a good way to look at that maybe is to see, what, like what first of all, what what is a cow eating during the dry period? You know, if you're giving them silage at the moment, then that's where they're at as dry cows. They're probably eating something in the region of, you know, something around 11, 12 kilos dry matter, something like that, depending on the size of the cow, obviously. So that's where they're starting from. As they move into the week pre-calving, inevitably... You know, almost, ir- almost irrespective of what we feed them, they're going to drop down in intake, maybe closer to eight, nine kilos trimatter, and that's just not that's just a natural phenomenon as the, as they approach calving. So you can take forward from that then Emma-Louise, that in the first week, post calving, you're starting really from a base that's not that different to what the dry cow was eating, which is kind of 10, 11 kilos, okay, in the first week. And bear in mind now that, you know, this is a colostrum cow, that calving has just happened. Um, there's a bit of settling down needs to be done. So kind of that sort of 12 kilos is probably all they're going to eat in the first in the first few days post-calving. Now, we wouldn't worry too much about that. That's just, that's, you know, the time, I suppose, when the cow is still out of the tank in the colostrum group, it's a case of sort of saying, you know, clean fresh feed around the twelve kilos. So after that, how does how does um, you know how, how does how does intake change? I suppose what it probably changes is by about a kilo a week. Uh, for the first three to four, but certainly for about the first four weeks after calving. So they'll, they'll start going up by about a kilo per week. So if you get to a month, you know, sort of a month calved, you're probably expecting them to be something around the 15 to 16 kilo mark. And then from that point forward, for the next four weeks after that, they'll probably rise by another half a kilo per week. So they do rise, rise relatively from a low base to, ri- to rise by about a kilo a week for about a month after calving. And from that point forward, up to maximum intake, which happens about, you know, sort of the reach maximum intake about 10 weeks after calving, eight to 10 weeks after calving, I suppose. And then they hold that high level for for a good period of time. That means kind of, you know, so it'll take them sort of eight to 10 weeks to get up to the maximum. So when we say maximum in, in grazing systems, we're probably talking something in the region of 17 to 19 kilos of, of dry matter intake as a herd average. Now, your cows will be could be eaten 21, 22 kilos, your heifers more like maybe 16 and 17. So your heifers can be significantly behind, um can be significantly behind the mature cows to answer that question. So, you know, certainly it's been the experience perhaps with some farms that have um started, you know, new entrants essentially that have started with all heifers you know you do see it really in those farms that the intake potential of the herd is much lower than uh, it's much lower than what you might expect so you know 18 to 20 18 19 kilos is the target ultimately but we're we're, going to be a few weeks till we get to that you know and you also
0: mentioned joe you know that metabolic stress that cows are under and you know from your experience going out to farms you know what are the main things that you see um, in terms of metabolic diseases and maybe one or two Tips in order for farmers to minimise, um, you know, such instances on farm this spring?
1: Yeah, that's a it's a good question, I suppose. Look, what we would tend to see, um, Emma-Louise, and speaking to a few vets on this, they would say the same thing, is that generally what you get in, in these situations is a storm of problems or a, a lot of problems piled on top of each other. So it could be retained placenta, uh, displaced, displaced abomasum, ketosis, that those issues and obviously the big one which is milk fever either clinical or subclinical milk fever and it's a you know and certainly UCD over the years as well have talked a lot about that about trying to manage kind of milk fever as I say retained cleanings um stomach problems re- managing those as a kind of a as, a as a group of of issues rather than trying to manage in in isolation so I would say that the, the big risks really you know if we can get calcium status right and really concentrate on getting the the milk fever status right early on i think it does help the cow to get over a lot of those other uh, those other diseases as well so what would you see on farm i suppose that where the, the big risks are certainly body condition score so over conditioned over conditioned cows on the point of calving particularly older cows that's certainly a risk factor and that's one to be watched um, not enough dry cow mineral being fed, which is another big one. So we would be certainly saying that we need a good quality dry cow mineral, maybe at, at, with plenty of magnesium and plenty of vitamin D in particular in it. Uh, so certainly up to over 20% magnesium needed. Uh, so that would be a thing that probably fa- causes problems on farms where the, there's not enough attention to detail on the mineral. And then the other one that might be a problem is, Silage that might be slightly high in potassium. So, really, what you're saying there is maybe something that's a little less, um, a little less rich uh, in in potassium would be the thing. So, the three big risk factors: body condition score, certainly, uh, not enough mineral, with plenty, not enough high magnesium mineral on the point of calving. And then the other one would be maybe something to do in this in mineral imbalance in the silage. I think if you address one of those three together, it, it does make a big difference in terms of subclinical um and clinical milk fever cases, you know.
0: And 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 I suppose taking it a step further then, Joe, when we're when we're talking about um, you know, I so supplying sufficient nutrition for these cows, and you mentioned, you know, there's a there's a really good grass cover on a lot on farms this year, and you know. Um, you know, a strong overwinter growth. What does grass offer farms? You know, where they can get out in February.
1: Well, this is the this is the this is the thing we we have to remember is that you know spring grass in particular, uh, because it's been there for it's been there essentially. The most of it has been there slowly growing and slowly turning over since October, November last year. It is it is a high quality forage. There's plenty of there, there's there's good fibre levels in it. Believe it or not. Uh, there's good um, energy levels and uh, plenty of protein as well, so it's, it's a good feed relative to the average type silage that's out there. Okay, the trick is, I suppose, Emma Louise is, is intake. I think on, on on grass. So you know, it's all right to say that we've got high levels of cover out there, but if the if the individual cows are are maybe you know if they're in a situation just a day or two post calving where their intakes are very low, um they're just not they're not physically able to take that in. So our advice would be I suppose look the ambition certainly is to move through your your spring covers quickly and efficiently. That is, that is for sure. But we shouldn't be sort of asking a cow that you know a cow that' calved this morning, for example we shouldn't expect miracles in terms of her grass intake this evening or tomorrow or even the day after I think that's the that's the key point so you know generally we what a lot of herds might be doing now is you know moving towards a situation where they've got a colostrum group maybe so you know until the se- the cow is on her seventh or eighth milking she's kind of managed without really trying to put too much grass in her diet it's more about making sure her calcium status is good that she's comfortable and, and full and well fed but after that so after the sort of first the fourth or fifth day then we're talking about getting really starting to get into putting grass in the diet so that's going to start off slowly probably for a lot of farms it's probably three hours grazing um by day for a a few days to get cows settled in and then you're talking about trying to get two bouts of grazing in um you know basically two bouts of grazing in and in that case with two bouts of grazing you could certainly be looking at getting eight to ten ten kilos of grass intake uh into the cow which is a which is a good level of intake relative to her her intake potential that plus a few kilos of concentrate can can go a long way and obviously then if there's a if if we're not getting up to our maximum you know there are times let's it's inevitable there are times you're going to need a little bit of silage but the ambition is to keep silage to a minimum but it should be fed if it's needed to be fed and i think that that is that's where the trick comes in and that's that's where people have to make their own uh, they have to make their own management uh, decisions around that but certainly we should be looking at maybe getting up to 10 kilos of grass per cow per day in quite soon after calving i would say
0: there's work in a cow um you know taking in eight to ten kilos of grass and there's often a conversation around the ideal cover from your perspective joe what sort of a Pre grazing cover, would you recommend in you know say five six days post calving? What are you targeting in early February?
1: Yeah, and this is something that you know it's, it's certainly something that I don't you know the lads in 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 our own farms and and the commercial farms where we've been to have been doing this for a number of years certainly would be saying that. You know when you look at your farm cover at the start of the year there's going to be a few paddocks with quite heavy with quite heavy overwinter covers on the them Louise, and they're probably really saying that they're not that suitable to start your cows on so probably you're probably starting to say something sort of eight nine hundred sort of in the middle you know kind of sort of somewhere in the middle of the wedge or to the to, to sort of the not at the very top of the of the covers on the farm but sort of eight 900 something like that uh, and start them start your cows there uh, and 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 it it just makes intake a little bit easy you know it it makes the intakes a little bit a bit easier kind of just to settle cows down onto the onto the first round now look I know myself when I started looking at this first years ago and you'd see people doing it you, you will definitely go out the first few days and think you know I'm wasting my time here these cows aren't eating anything at all and they're scuffing the paddock maybe a little bit and it doesn't look pretty but you do need to sort of fight your way through that sort of inclination to think that it isn't working, I think, you know, because they're just kind of, you have to remember, they're just settling down into their intake. So the first few days, they're going to mess around a little bit. uh, But if it's only for a few hours and it's on a limited area, it's not that big a deal. But over time, they will begin to settle into getting towards the type of grazing that we want them to, to do. So there's always going to be a bit of messing at the start. But I think if you start at sort of 800, 900 covers and start there, um, and inching cows into it like that, they'll definitely settle down within a few days. And it's a case of really persisting with it uh, through what you think might look great for the first few days, you know.
0: And and then moving on, Joe, you mentioned concentrate and concentrate, you know, makes up a part of um, cow's diets in the spring. And I would say across the board, um, you know, very much um, at the start and then maybe moving into March and April as, you know, oh. grass starts to grow, um, you know, it can reduce, there's a lot of complication sometimes around the conversation as to what way you should formulate it. Can you break it down and make it a little bit easier for us? I guess in terms of what you typically see in a concentrate mix and the recommendations around crude protein.
1: Yeah, this is always a this is always a good time of year for the decisions and the discussions around uh, ration composition, Em Louise. And you know there seems to be, if you count them up across all the suppliers and all the ranges of all the suppliers, there must be. There must be nearly a hundred specs on the market in, in some form or another, and I would have always argued there's there's, sh- there's surely not need for a hundred different specs of rations to feed a few cows. You know that's the first point. So things can be simplified uh, relatively quickly. I would have thought. So look. We would be saying that I suppose the ambition and for for farms that are able to sort of make sure or for farms that are on particularly dry ground and they know they're going to have grass in the diet at least by day for a good proportion of the spring period, right, we are talking about we, you know, a, a relatively simple concentrate that's probably something in the fourteen to fifteen percent mark in crude protein terms, but critically that it's composed of high quality ingredients, so high, high energy, high quality ingredients. So, for example, that look might look something like, something like maybe barley or maize with some, so a, 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 a cereal source like a starch source, which would be probably barley or maize. You're then talking a fiber source, which is um, either holes or beet pulp, and then a protein source, like like something like gluten, I suppose, or rapeseed. So it's really a, kind of almost one-third, one-third, one-third of a cereal a fiber source and a and a protein source that'll bring you to sort of 14 to 15% protein and then obviously on top of that then you're going to need your 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 um your minerals which would be obviously calmag salt, um bit of limestone maybe a bit of phosphorus as well plus your trace elements. Now they will probably stay the same dependent irrespective of the protein uh, percent in the ration. So that's the first thing to say it's a kind of a cereal a pulp and a protein source plus the minerals. That'll get it to the sort of 14%, 15% mark, which is adequate, certainly, and will do a good job for, for farms that are guaranteed to have good a good level of grass in the diet, as I say, at least by day for the first period. In a situation then maybe where, maybe in different parts of the country that might be uh, you know where the grass supply might be limited a bit more by weather conditions or by whatever it might be and there's more of a risk that you're going to be on silage for a few days here and there you're probably talking about a 16 percent note in that case which is basically the same rationalism after talking about except with 10 percent soybean included as well it's a, really it's a, the way i would look at it it's, it's as simple as that almost that you just you just push in a little bit of soybean extra to get your to your 16 percent to account for the fact that you're not on grass if you get me so if you stick to those sort of rules that you're talking about, an energy value of maybe 0.94 to 0.96 with the with the minerals included, a pr- crude protein between 14 and 16 percent, depending on your um, availability and your 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 ground conditions in in a general sense, and the minerals included. You know, you you get that spec and you run with it then, and it's basically three kilos to you know three to five kilos of that over the over the spring period, depending on whether the silage in or out of the diet. And I think if we if we if we get to that point and we're, we're we're we get more people doing that, that's a decision made and we move on and we get back then really to talking about the 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 questions around grazing management and how to make sure we're managing the grass side of things. You know,
0: and we chat here, Joe, at the end of January so we have no indication of how weather will come um, in the months of February, March you know if we reflect on last February extremely wet and challenging but you know um, I suppose if you just look across the board and uh, maybe the average year um, you know have have you an indication of how long a cow spends in a negative energy balance post calving and maybe just I suppose to wrap up you know your top three tips based on our conversation today uh, as to how you would minimise that on individual farms?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question around the negative energy balance, Emma Louise, and um, it's something that it's something we have to understand is there there is going to be an inevit- an inevitable negative energy balance post calving. As I said, we talked about a few minutes ago about intake taking about eight to ten weeks to reach maximum. Our our cows will peak. A few weeks earlier than that, so uh, before you get to, be, you know, peak milk yield will will come before peak intake. So therefore, the the chance that there is a risk of a negative energy balance, right? So a couple of things on that, you know, there, there was years ago people used to talk about trying to push as much feed in as possible in the air in the week post calving to stop cows going into negative energy balance. But I suppose we've kind of moved away from that a little bit now. In that, what we're trying to do is maybe guarantee that they have full access to high quality clean high quality forage at all times for those few days but slow and steady build up then after that that you're basically avoiding digestive upsets avoiding those kind of issues which will probably end up making the negative energy balance worse than than if you if you you know going in too fast with high levels of concentrate tends to make cause more problems than it will fix so generally speaking the cows should be sort of turning the corner probably something in the region of maybe four to six, maybe six weeks post calving, cows should start to be turning the corner. And, you know, a lot of a lot of farmers would remark remark that uh, over the years to me that, you know, someday in April when the sun starts shining a bit better and things start improving, suddenly cows that looked a bit raggedy uh, a week before that turn inside out and away they go. It's kind of indication that they've turned the corner and they're moving on. A critical point about that though is that Certainly, and there's no doubt about this, that higher EBI genetics... They will definitely turn the corner a bit sooner. They'll come cycling a bit sooner. They'll start gaining weight a bit sooner. So EBI and high EBI, particularly for fertility subindex, makes it easier to manage negative energy balance. That's that's the secret behind high fertility genetics, really. So, you know, there's certain herds out there that they will could be a negative energy balance for ten weeks rather than six weeks or twelve weeks, and that's that. A lot of that is down to down to genetics. So, I suppose, look, the three tips to to wrap it up, I would be saying is. You know, have a go this year if you haven't really pushed it on the on the on the grazing. So get you know think now about where your cows in the in the, sort of the few days calved and if they're ready to go, where are they going to go? Sort of 800 covers, so middle middle range covers, and and start them on that and persist through what doesn't look great. I suppose that's a, that's a tip. The second thing is you know mind the you know certainly simplify your decisions on concentrate feeding you're talking about you sort of a 14 to 16% not dependent on your situation with plant with the minerals correct in it and nail that down, and then from there, then spend your time worrying more about your, your grazing, your, sort of your grazing decisions. And the third and final thing, I suppose, is just for the few days around calving, is just mind, mind the freshly calved cow. She's at the highest risk uh, of problems from a day pre-calving to about two or three days post-calving. You know, there's plenty of days in the year to maximize grass intake, uh, make sure that there are sort of, steady on their feet and that everything is recovered before pushing them too hard uh, to, to be uh, to, to, to be grazing so you know at the running of a colostrum mob i think and a bit of tlc around around calving really helps to to get cows moving for the rest of the spring.
0: And I think you've broken it down and made it very simple for us, Joe. And it's just to put that into practice. I really like your the simplicity of the spec for the concentrate that you're talking about. You're talking about a cereal, fibre and protein source. Make sure they're high quality and, you know, you're paying enough for it. So make sure you're getting the value out of it. Thank you, Joe.
1: Thanks, Emily Thank you.
0: That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Joe Patton for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.